This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 8th, 2010. Must See TV, American Idol. Check it out. What do these nine individuals have in common? Justin Guarini, Clay Aiken, Diana DeGarmo, hope I'm pronouncing these right, Bo Bice, Catherine McPhee, Blake Lewis, David Archuleta, Adam Lambert, and Crystal Bowersox. They, they all... know. They watch it, too. All right. Woo. Okay. See, anyway, it could have been easy. They came for But see, this show was so popular, American Idol, that everybody knows who came in second place, even. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. You can pick your, uh, you can pick your prize up at the end of the show. Okay, so American Idol was debuted on the Fox Network on June 11th, 2002. It had a... Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> You're just wonderful. Thank you. Okay, so it debuted, and it didn't just have the same American Idol, but it was American Idol, The Search for a Superstar. Yeah. The Search for a Superstar. It's become one of the most popular shows in television history, and it is currently number one in the Nielsen ratings, and it's the only program ever to have been number one for six consecutive seasons. American Idol, many of you, probably most of you know, you know it's a program that aims to discover the best singer in the country through a series of nationwide auditions in which Viewer voting determines the winner, allowing the person to become the next American American Idol. Well, this morning we're going to look at what the Bible says about idols. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today, for waking us up, for bringing us here, for the time that we had to worship you through song. God, now um, settle us. Settle us right in, right where we are, so that we might be open. Take away all those distractions that want to vie for a place in our minds right now. And help us focus on your word found in scripture. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. American Idol. You know, that's not a novel concept. There have been other shows like Star Search and those kind of things that go to, you know, find out, uh, find people who are good at entertaining. In this case, they're specifically singing. But this whole idea of idol or an American Idol certainly isn't isn't novel. Um, over the years, there have been quite a few idols in America, American idols. Um, and, and we're not especially referring to the ones who are vying to get Simon Cowell to give them a thumbs up and to get people to text in their votes. What we're talking about is American idols like um, sports stars over the years have been American idols or, or movie stars or uh, uh, Broadway stars or politicians or even gangsters over the years, have been idolized by the American public. Being an idol in America is not something new. And so what do we mean when we use the term idol? 
idol. Okay, let's take a look. To idolize means to have an excessive admiration, devotion, envy, or attachment to a person or a thing. So this concept is really important for us to get right now so we know what an idol is. Let's say it again together. To have an excessive admiration, devotion, envy, or attachment to a person or a thing. You know, um, an idol then is the object of, of this idolization. It's this person or this thing that gets excessive attention, excessive devotion, attachment in our lives. Yeah. You know, ironically, in some ways, the show itself, American Idol, has become an idol. You know, we were talking before how six consecutive seasons, not only TV show in history, like Cosby, I think, was five consecutive seasons at number one. And, okay, and, so I try not to schedule church meetings on Tuesday nights. Okay, you know? so that's, that's, that's it's because of us that it's able to be number one like that. <laughs> and, but even more so than this, check this out. In the week May 24th through 30th this year, this show was ranked for the week number one and number two. That's interesting, isn't it, how a show can be both? Well, here's how it happened. On Tuesday, it had 20.07 million viewers, but then it was shown twice that week. <laughs> on Wednesday, it had 24.22 million. So in one week, it was both one and two. What that shows is just that a lot of people have made that show number one a priority in their lives. Well, what it means is we wanted to know if it was Crystal or Lee. <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> it was Lee. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's wrong with all this? Not, not, we're not talking about the show American Idol, but what's wrong with idols? This whole idol thing. Let's take a look at what the scripture tells us. If you have your Bibles with you, flip open to Exodus chapter 20. We're taking a look at verses 3 through 6. You might recognize this. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the Lord speaking, by the way. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a, what? Jealous God. Punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, so chapter 20 of Exodus is the chapter in which we find the Ten Commandments. And here in verses 3 through 6, we have the first of those ten. You know, the commandments are kind of divvied up. You have commandments that deal with our relationship with God and commandments that deal with our relationship with one another. These, obviously, these first two are two of the uh, ones that have to do with our relationship with God. Number one is no other gods before God. No other gods. So we could boil that down to two words, basically, just God or God only. You know, it can be boiled down real simply. And then we have another two word when we can boil it down to no idols. Can you say it with me? No, no idols. The Hebrew people at this time were surrounded by people from other tribes, from other nations, as we'll see in the scripture in a few minutes. If your name ended in I-T-E-S, uh, it was a tough 
you know, you were probably in that area, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Uhites, whatever the ites, they were all over the place. And, and, and they had different belief from the Hebrew. The Hebrews were what they call monotheistic. Mono means one. Theo has to do with God. So monotheistic means the belief in a singular God, whereas these other tribes, these other nations, believed in multiple gods. And so um, the Hebrew people were surrounded by people with a different God belief than they did. And so the purpose of this first commandment for them and for us as well is to stay focused on one God and one God only, the God of creation, the God of Israel, the God that brought you and me into being, one God only before anything else. And so the second commandment, no idols, goes hand in hand with this first commandment. No other gods, no idols. Now, as Alan said, it was not uncommon back in this culture in which, which this scripture was um, talked about that the people living around the Hebrew people worshipped idols. They, they had images fashioned with, in wood or in metal, and they worshipped these images. And, you know, it's kind of funny. The day Moses went up on that mountain... You know, God said, come up to the mountain. I'm going to give you the commandments. He went up to the mountain, and God's telling Moses, you know, these ten commandments, one being, you know, worship no other gods before me and no idols. And at the same time, Moses is up on that mountain. You have Moses' people down here getting kind of restless. And they're thinking that they, they need something more than they already have. They need some tangible, something tangible that they can see to follow. Let's push that pause button. How about us? Mm-hmm. You know, do we need something that we can see to follow? We're in the same boat. And so here they're, they're getting all crazy And Aaron, who's in charge while Moses is gone, Aaron was his brother. He was a high priest. He was a priest. And so he listens to him. And he says, you know, as they say, make us gods who will go before us. And so he says, okay, give me all your gold. Give me your gold earrings and we'll fashion this golden calf. That's what he did. Okay, so Moses is up in the presence of God receiving the Ten Commandments. And he comes down from the mountain and he sees this. Can you just imagine? Moses gets so upset, and rightly so, that he takes the tablet, the Ten Commandments, and throws it on the ground because of his anger. And it just goes, you know, you can just, can you see the image? And by the way, this is not fiction. This is truth found in scripture. So another example of an idol in addition to the golden calf was something called the Asherah pole, A-S-H-E-R-A-H, Asherah pole. Now, the Asherah pole was a tree or a pole that had the image carved into it of the fertility goddess Asherah. You know, a lot of cultures, fertility is very important, not just human fertility, but that too, to bring forth more children but also the fertility of the ground to bring forth food. And, and so they often had, if they had multiple gods, had a god or a goddess 
of fertility that they would worship to make sure, hopefully bring forth more good stuff from the ground and from themselves. And so this group that they were, the Hebrews were surrounded with many of the um, tribes, many of the nations in that territory uh, worshiped this um, goddess Asherah, the fertility goddess, and they'd have this pole with her image carved in. If you uh, have a chance, go on uh, uh, Google it. Just put Asherah pole, and it'll be interesting what you see. It's this carving of of this uh, goddess, and they would worship that. They would pray to that goddess and pray to the pole with that image on it. And so uh, this area they were in was Cana. The promised land is Cana. They're sharing it with the Hebrews. And so um, um, when when Moses goes back up the mountain, uh, he's got to get the replacement set of the commandments since the first one's in a million pieces on the ground after he smashed it, he goes, God calls him back up on the mountain. And God tells him something very interesting in light of this whole um, culture that's surrounding the Hebrew people there. Here's what God says. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Say this last line with me. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. So God specifically says, cut down these, get rid of those, the, uh, the images around you. No, don't let them be a temptation to you. Even if you're not worried, get rid of them. Okay, so we have this stuff there this morning. You might be thinking, okay, that's well and good. Thank you, Alan Carey. We have a nice little Bible study here. We learned, we already knew about the golden calf, and now we know about this Asherah pole. But what in the world does that have to do with me here in this area in the year 2010? I mean, come on. Who here has melted down their earrings recently to fashion a golden calf? Anybody? Uh, yeah, no, no, nobody here yet has said yes. I guess that would be, even if you did, you probably wouldn't. But anyway, I don't think we've fashioned a golden calf here uh, uh, anybody here has done that. So, and by the way, a golden calf worshiping one seems pretty silly, doesn't it, when you think about it? Yeah. And you might say, well, I don't even know about that Asherah pole thing, but it doesn't really make sense to me. You know, worshiping something like that, it's doubtful anybody here has created an Asherah pole or fashioned the golden calf. But that doesn't mean that we don't have idols. That does not mean that we do not have idols, because we do. We all do. So here's a question we want to share with you, and this is a question we want you to really kind of ponder on throughout the rest of what we're talking about this morning and even after you leave here today. Here's the question. Has anything or anyone in your life become an object of your worship other than God? Has anything or anyone in your life become an object of your worship other than God? In other words, have you allowed anything or anyone to come before God? Have you allowed anything to take the number one spot in your life other than the one who created you? What do you spend the majority of your time and energy on is the bottom line. 
many of us have um, allowed money to take that number one spot or what it takes to get that money. And, you know, here we say, you know, we don't worship these golden calves, but we just might worship a piece of green paper and the amount of that that we have. As recently... um reading of devotion by a guy named Oz Hillman. He has a devotional series called TGIF, Today God is First. It's a very good series online. If you don't have a devotional, a daily devotion, I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, just look up under Google, Today God is First, and you'll find it. It's free. Anyway, this one on August the 1st, uh, what's that, about a week ago, I guess, um, was a devo- devotion that was focused on the scripture that we find in Matthew 6, 24. Now, I'm going to share the New International Version of this because that's, how many use NIV here? It seems to be probably the most widely used scripture, so I'm going to share that one here first. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, so this is the version many of us would read, but this isn't the one Hillman used in the devotion that day. He used a version called the New King James Version. That's where they took the King James and made it so we could almost kind of understand it (laughs) because the other one's so challenging. And the New King James is very similar to the NIV with one slight difference, and you'll hear that when we read it. No one can serve two masters, again. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Say this last line with me. You cannot serve God and mammon. What's that last word? Mammon. Okay, so as Alan said, these translations are almost identical with that one word difference. And we often substitute those two words, you know, mammon, money, money, mammon. But as Oz Hilton points out in this devotional, um, those two words are not synonymous. That is an incorrect reading. You see, mammon, this is really interesting. Mammon is an Aramaic demonic spirit that was worshipped as a false god by the Palestines. This god mammon desired to be worshipped, desired to have influence, had influence, or so they thought, and control over people's lives, requiring love and devotion through the use of money. It was, mammon was this Aramaic demonic spirit. Money was simply the instrument by which mammon seeks to have the power. And then Hellman goes on to point out something that should make perfectly good sense to us. He says that any spirit that is opposed to God seeks to influence people by deception. Well, that makes sense, right? Um, Think about Satan. Satan is a spirit that is opposed to God and seeks to influence people by deception, right? He's the great, as we read in Scripture, is the great deceiver. He, He comes to deceive, to and, 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 and then uh, Hillman says, they want to uh, gain loyalty and love without you knowing it's done. Of course, those, those um, spirits that are all contrary to God always want to go under the radar. They want it so that you don't even recognize what's going on. Because if you recognize what's going on, you might be able to 
block it, but if they keep it kind of on the QT, then you're just willy-nilly able to go along with it. The, the, the primary lie or untruth behind the spirit of mammon is that money contains power. It encourages people to place disproportionate value on money because of the raw power it has to influence and control other people. And the truth is that when you have money, and particularly lots of money, you often do have power. In our culture, that's oftentimes how it's set up, and that's the challenge. Because the power that it gives us, the power that it gives you, the power that it gives me, is no match for the power of God. No match for the power of God. No matter how much money or material stuff anyone has, it's always second place or third or whatever. Because the power of God, God of creation, is more powerful than anything money can buy, more powerful than anything that material things can bring, more power than anything that titles can do for us. God's power is the most powerful of anything. Okay, so we have these, I don't like money can become an idol, but not just money. People can become, as we said before, like, you know, we have like movie stars and rock stars and sports stars and even whole teams. Like, I, I like the Phillies. I don't think that's a secret. Uh, but I have to be careful that I don't spend too much of my time watching those games. Doesn't that get in the way of what uh, other things that are much more, should be much more important to me? But, you know, um, it's, it's not just uh, famous people that can be idols as well. It can be everyday, ordinary, run a, a good example. Sometimes uh, we may even idolize a parent. And sometimes, like, a, a young man might idolize his father and put him up on this pedestal. And um, when we say worship, I don't mean that he's in there singing praise songs to him, but in effect, he worships him by making him like, almost like a god when we're not cared for. It's interesting even the language we use. Um, other than maybe with um, someone we are affect, have affection for, um, like a spouse or a significant other, something like that, where we even use this language. He worships the ground that she, you see, we even use that language, worships the, well, if you're going to worship the ground they walk in, that means kind of, as you go up, you're probably worshiping the one who's walking on that ground, amen? And you go, oh, no, no, I never sang praise, well, and you never got on your knees. Well, sometimes, in effect, you do. I mean, you, you put that person above everything, including the, the Holy One, if we're if we're not careful. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes wouldn't you like to, somebody to idolize you? Oh she, uh, she, oh, she thinks I'm... Well, that wouldn't be good either, would it? Because then that person's not making God number one. And we certainly would want that person to have God as number one in their life because then that makes that person a whole new creation. So... Um... Yeah, we do idolize people, and um, I'm going to risk a little bit and say it's possible to idolize our kids. I know as a mom, 
um, you know, that's, that's the thing in my life that has given me that, the most satisfaction, the most joy to parent uh, Aaron, Megan, Devin, and Turner. And um, I think that at different times in my life, it really borders worshiping my kids. And um, I don't know. Uh, there have been times when I've gotten really, really caught up in, in their lives. Good stuff, good stuff. To the detriment of my relationship with God, I get so focused even on the busyness of being a parent that there isn't any room for God to get in. And um, I'm not talking about, you know, the way that we would all take a bullet for our kids. We would, you know, pick up a bus. We'd do whatever it took to protect our kids and help our kids be on the right path. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying, you know, what we're supposed to do, deny ourselves so that, you know, their well-being can flourish. But I do think that there are times when our kids are the object of our devotion and affection more than God. And when I've done that and when you might have done that or do that, that is sin. Because God wants to be number one. And when God is number one, truly that is when we become the parent that God wants us to be. When God is number one, that's truly where we get the tools to parent the way that we're called to parent. So back to that question, that uh, thread that's going to run through today's message. Has anything or anyone in your life become an object of your worship other than God? In other words, have you allowed anything or anyone to come before God? Have you allowed anything to take the number one spot in your life other than the one who created you? And there's a fine line. There's a fine line between having something in our lives be important and making it an idol. There's a fine line between giving something or someone the attention that's needed and deserves and making that a God, little g God, in our lives. Fine line between taking care of the things that we're called to take care of, to manage the things that we're called to manage in this life that God gives us to take care of, and allowing that something or someone to become the object of our worship other than God. You know, that American Idol process is really interesting. Uh, you probably, maybe many of you have seen where they start by going to like a stadium, and it's like anybody and everybody. Um, I had the pleasure of going to one of those, not because I was trying out. You might have gotten in. Well, uh, I mean, if William Hung made it, maybe I had it. But anyway. You uh, do watch it. All right. Well, everybody knows that character. Gee, come on. I thought, man, I could have. Anyway, no, because Devin, Devin, Devin uh, went up, and I was there to support her. And so you go up, and you wait in line for hours and hours and hours to get a little ticket so the next day you can wait in line for hours and hours and hours to get in for the audition, okay? Um, and so we were up at the Wachovia Center in Philly there for the better part of two days, and Devin finally got in, and there were like um, little... You know, um, uh, cubicles. Yeah, like cubicle things 
where there's somebody and there wasn't Simon and those guys. It was somebody else. And, well, actually, Devin got a pretty long audition. She got 40 seconds. What's interesting is it seemed like the more outrageous the costume you wore, the better chance you had of getting picked, which made it seem like maybe they were just going to use some of those people for some of those outtakes, you know, because I don't think the costume necessarily meant they had a great voice. But anyway, so you have these, not a whole lot of time. Like I think in Philly there were 20,000 people trying to compete for I don't know how many spots it was, and you had that in several cities. And then they get to go to the next level, next, and then they go to uh, Hollywood, and, you know, and it whittles down from 20,000 in several cities to, 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 to down to, what, like 24 or something on the show, and then eventually down to the 12. And, and you know how it goes. Eventually, it comes down to those two people. We listed nine of them who came out number two, and then the number one, the American Idol, right? Lots, 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 lots down to one. That's kind of like what happens to us on a daily basis. We have oodles and oodles and oodles of choices of where we can spend our time and our energy and especially what we can make number one in our lives. And every day we've got to make that commitment. And we need to whittle it down because something is going to be number one, isn't it? We use the term, we often say, well, I had many priorities. Actually, that doesn't make sense. A priority means number one. You can only have one priority. You can have only one number one. Otherwise, it's not number one. And so at the beginning of the day, we wake up and we say, okay, what's my priority today? And it might be something important at work, or it might be uh, something with your kids, or it might be something with your spouse. It might be, but overall, in spite of those things, what are you going to make number one? When we read the scriptures, we can't ignore what God tells us. God tells us who we're supposed to place number one every, each and every day, and that would be God. Amen? Each and every day, that is who we're called to boil it down to in spite of all the other important things. And that's not to say we don't spend time with the other important things. It doesn't mean we ignore our kids, ignore our spouse, ignore our job, ignore the, the, the leaky uh, faucet. It doesn't mean any of that. But it's going over and above everything else, what's the one thing that's going to be number one today? And so we come back to that question one more time. Has anything or anyone in your life become an object of your worship other than God. In other words, have you allowed anything or anyone to come before God? Have you allowed anything to take the number one spot in your life other than the one who created you? And here's the really important flip of that. If you have, if you have, what are you going to do to make God number one either for the first time or to make God number one again? good question. And it's one that is important to visit not only today, but every day, every single day. So we want to give you the opportunity right now to, to lean into that question, to visit that question. And, um, 
you know, what are you going to do? Well, the, the, the obvious answer, and it's really quite simple, is to talk to God about it and that have that conversation, enter into that conversation with God. But, you know, it might be important to really listen instead of doing all the speaking and let God speak into your life what God wants you to know. And so that's called prayer. You can pray right now in your seats. You can pray up on the steps to ask God to open your hearts and reveal to you those places and spaces that might take priority over the one who needs the priority, which is God. If there's something in your life that you want to pray about, not only... um, dealing with this question, but something else. There are people in the back who would um, are ready to intercede on your behalf. So we ask you to take advantage of this time. You've only got this moment. You know, we don't know what's going to go on when we go out of here. We've got this moment to talk to God, to lean into that question, has anything or anyone in your life become an object of your worship other than God and make it right? Is that a deal? Yeah? So let's do that together. Let's pray. God, um, wow. These, um, this word found in Exodus chapter 20, you know, the Ten Commandments aren't suggestions. They aren't, you can do this sometimes and not other times. They are, it's your command in our lives God, open up each one of our hearts so that we might uh, dig deep and see those areas that we need to deal with so that you can take your rightful place in our lives. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your very best, your son Jesus, to take on all those things, that that sin that, that we have. And um, thank you for your forgiveness in Christ. God, you are so great and holy is your name. Guide us and order our steps as we walk this life out here on earth to reflect you, to be you with skin on to a hurting world and help us always, always, always have you as our number one. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all of Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.